0: Welcome to the podcast for wgts 91.9's gateway fellowship a weekly service for anyone of any faith who is seeking hope you can learn more and find more messages like this by visiting mygatewayfellowship.com or on itunes now here's today's message hello everyone it is great to be back home with you you haven't changed in a year you look exactly the same maybe you're better looking you're- There's one guy that does look a little different, though, and that's my man, Terry, and he's looking good. When he came in, uh, we were having the pre-meeting, and uh, he came in, you know, because I haven't seen him. We've seen him on Facebook, but uh, he came in, and I heard his voice say, uh, hey, Brad, and so I teased him a little bit, and I said, who is that? Who's, who's, Who's calling out to me? But of course, Terry's voice is the one, it's the voice that you could always distinctively know. And that's a wonderful thing. So it's good to be with you uh, again this evening to spend a little time sharing about uh, the invitation. And I think the Holy Spirit's been at work already. The music that you've been singing is reminding me about God's invitation to us. Uh, So let me ask you a question. Do you like parties? Do you like parties? I like parties. Uh, I think of birthday parties uh, with my friends. I think of cake I think of presents, um, I think of graduation parties and anniversary parties. But I want to tell you today that it was a party that got Jesus in trouble. A party got Jesus in trouble. Jesus' mission is to reveal the Father, and look where we find him in Luke chapter 15, verse 1. The Bible says, and you can see it on the screen then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him and the Pharisees and scribes complained saying this man receives sinners and eats with them now at this moment of criticism Jesus is going to tell a story Jesus often did this when people came up and got in his face about things Jesus would often respond, not with defense, but by telling a story. And the story that Jesus is going to tell for us again this evening is a story about a kid, his dad, the kid's brother, throw in some rowdy friends, a pen full of pigs, mix them all together, and it is the greatest redemption story of all time. It's been the inspiration of great works of art like this painted by the great master Rembrandt. It's entitled The Return of the Prodigal. And you can Google that picture and study it a little further. It's a great detailed story in art. And of course, there's an amazing book that's been written by Henry Nouwen called A Story of Homecoming. But the parable of the prodigal son is very familiar. It's a familiar story. It begins with this. Father, I want you dead so I can have your wealth now. And inexplicably, the father liquidates his assets and hands everything over. And of course, the Great Depression hits and the kid has nothing to live off of when he's in a far off country. And then there's that moment in the pig pen when he remembers home and dad and then there's the rehearsed speech it's like this is a great Broadway play the swelling of the heart churning music as dad runs out to meet him as he comes home on the road and you can feel the wetness of his father's tears on the boy's neck as he holds him close and of course there's a the celebration There's the ring, the coat, the shoes, the lamb. And we can't forget, of course, the brother who stayed behind and stays outside until dad comes to get him. And then the simple finale of the story says, your brother was dead, but now he's alive. Jesus designs every twist and turn of this story towards one single inescapable invitation. Come and be surprised by God. Come and be surprised by God. You see Jesus life work and his final end is concentrated like a laser beam on this one mission. Every story he tells radiates it. Everyone he meets He witnesses to them this explosion of God reality in his presence. He's a 24-hour broadcast. Come and be surprised by your Father God. Now, do you like surprise parties? Do you like them? Some people hate them, you know? But uh, I'm very easy to surprise, okay? I'm very easy to surprise. Jennifer, my wife Jennifer, I, I, we walked into her parents' home on my 30th birthday, which was a while ago. And there were 25 people in the living room, and they all shouted, Surprise! And you know what I did? I looked at Jennifer and I said, Did you know about this? See, that's me. I'm easy to surprise. Is it hard to be surprised by God? Is it hard to be surprised by God? I think that was Jesus' challenge when he told this story that we often call the story of the prodigal son. Because he told this story to religious leaders and to synagogue regulars. He told it to church folks. And I think just like them, we can be kind of a tough crowd when we hear stories like this because we assume that we know everything there is to know about God and about what's already out there. Uh, You know, maybe there's a college student here today that says, God cannot really be trusted with my happiness. Maybe there's a, a guy over here who says, God cannot be trusted to be fair. Or maybe there's a lady out there who has determined God is arbitrary and cruel. See, I know everything there is to know about God. What are you going to tell me, mister, showing up once a year? What are you going to tell me about God that I don't already know? And I think that the answer to that question comes with Jesus. From his very first baby cry to the final agony on the cross, he had one mission, to reveal God to us. If you want to know about God and what he's like, you look at Jesus. He said it many, many times. He said, I have come to make the Father known. And Jesus welcomed questions about the Father. He welcomed questions. And so Jesus, does Jesus have a surprise for us that's embedded in this very familiar story that centers about God? I think the answer to the question is does Jesus have a surprise for us I think it's there I think it's in the parties that are in the story Now I've heard this story I I've, I've heard this story of the prodigal son told from every perspective possible and uh, Chaplain Terry I preached a few of them too I've heard from the perspective of of course the prodigal son or the father or the older brother or the friends who are partying. I've even heard someone preach the story from the perspective of the pigs. But you know when Jennifer and I were talking about this story not too long ago it dawned on us as we were talking that maybe one of the secrets of the message in the story has to do with the parties in the story. Did you know that there are actually several different parties that are in the story? And I want to kind of bring them out to you in Luke 15 and begin us, have us begin to think about what they reveal about the surprises of God. Every party is a revelation about his father. And Luke 15 begins and ends with parties. So let's look at the first one. Luke 15 verse 1 starts with a complaint about a party. Now have you ever been, now I can remember... When Jennifer and I were first married, we lived in an apartment complex in Buchanan, Michigan, when I was going to seminary. And uh, I can remember that, uh, apparently, very few other people in the complex had jobs, apparently. Uh, You know, we're full-time students, and it seemed like every night was party time. And the music was thumping. And all I could think of was having to get up and drive to school for a 7:30 class, and so yeah, I probably had some complaints about parties. But Jesus actually had someone complain to him about a party. Here it is in Luke 15:1. You probably already read it. Let's look at it. That all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Isn't it great, by the way? Who who got attracted to Jesus? It was people like us, right? And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, folk, it's pretty clear that one thing was going on. There were parties going on, and Jesus was showing up. And he was with folks that the church folk weren't too sure he ought to be hanging around with. So the first revelation comes here. And it wasn't just one party. The Gospels chronicle Jesus attracting the town troublemakers, prostitutes, tax collectors, and kids. Kids like to hang around with Jesus. He waits for a Samaritan woman at noon. He talks to Roman soldiers and Greek outsiders. And what about his inner circle? What about the people that he drew closest to himself? If you read the gospel carefully, you find that these were people who were political revolutionaries, of course, more tax collectors, fishermen, and ordinary men and women. Jesus says, I have come to reveal the Father. So what do we see? There's an early Christian hymn that expresses it succinctly and beautifully. It's in Philippians chapter 2. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death, a crucifixion. And so, I love that our Father says that even in the midst of all the things that we might have uncertainty about Jesus tells us through the prodigal son story that his entire life testifies to something wonderful and it's this, come and be surprised by the God who becomes one of us to save all of us this is the wonderful revelation about God is that he becomes one of us to save all of us and the story of the returning son ends also with a complaint about not having a party. I love how the story it starts with a complaint about a party. It closes with a complaint about not having a party. And this, of course, is our anti-hero of the story. The other brother. Do you have a brother? Did you grow up with a brother that you felt like, uh, you know, was shiftless, didn't work hard? Seemed to get skate by. You worked hard. You did all the right things. And, the other, and, and he seemed to always have it, always landed with the, uh, with the sandwich with the peanut butter up instead of down. Here's this guy, Luke 15. All these years I've slaved for you. You notice his choice of words. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time you never gave even a young goat for all my friends to feast with his father said to him look dear son you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours see I love what the father says here all that I have is yours even with the complaints the questions the doubts all that I have is yours Jesus then says come and be surprised by the God who patiently listens with love big enough for our complaints and questions, and doubts. And this is the thing I love about Jesus. And this is the thing that we need to model as a community of people who are searching for truth about God, for people who are wanting to walk closer with Jesus, who want to have a relationship with him, is we need to be okay when people ask questions that may make us squirm. It's okay to ask questions about God. Uh, especially if you've got kids at home, if you've got teenagers, they're gonna have questions and they need to be able to engage in the conversation. I spend a lot of time around college students um, at a school across the country called Pacific Union College and there's nothing like a college student asking questions about God. I love it because it shows that we can have an opportunity to engage and talk Okay, well, there's some other parties that are tucked into the prodigal son's story itself. So let's look at those real quickly. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Hence the story, the prodigal son. See, life for this son at this moment is one big party. Laden with bags of cash, From dad's estate that he's dragged with donkey carts imagine him coming to town with donkey carts laden down with cash and gold all the things that his father had accumulated for a lifetime and you know when you've got a lot of money you've got a lot of friends right that's your entourage right laden with bags of cash the dad's estate the boy walks out jesus listeners were shocked by this by the way Because the father freely lets him leave without a fight. You see, in the contemporary time of Jesus, if a son had tried to do this, frankly, the son would have gotten this over the head. Boom! Where do you think you're going? You stay home. That was the conventional view of what fathers would do with sons who asked for this, but not in this story. Jesus' lesson boldly contrasts to everything his audience thought about God. And just like the father in the story gives the son freedom to stay or leave, Jesus says that he has another surprise for us. And that's this. Come and be surprised by the God who values your freedom to choose or reject him. That's fantastic. God has given to each one of you here in this room and me this freedom that you can choose to say yes or choose to say no. And by the way, he loves you equally whether you say yes or no. Isn't that amazing? Even if I say no to God, he still loves me unconditionally. Come and be surprised by the God who values your freedom to choose or resist him. There's a wonderful quotation in a book called Patriarchs and Prophets that goes like this, God desires from all his creatures the service of love to all he grants freedom of will. And this freedom takes the son, the son and the story to another party. This is another party. Maybe you missed this party. If you've studied this story in the past, I bet you've missed this party. And that's what I like to call the pig party. Do you know there was a party with the pigs? Here it is. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him out into his fields to feed swine. A good Jewish boy would never, ever get near pigs, let alone feed them. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's broken, friendless, He descends to the lowest rung of society. Jewish boys didn't eat or touch pigs. And I kind of imagine this way, that the pigs in the pen look up to him with the invitation. You can always have what we're having. And so, with abandon, the son faces the spiritual crisis. Psychologists talk to us about the hitting rock bottom. Spiritually people talk about a poet for instance using the words the dark night of the soul. And that's what this young man was now going through. And it is here that Jesus now pivots the story. He pivots the story with just four words. He came to himself. He came to himself. His mind is flooded with memories of the goodness of dad and home. He came to himself. See, sometimes in this world, the world can drag you in a lot of different places that in the end you probably wish you hadn't gone. But you know that there's a core inside that speaks to you? He came to himself. And when he did, Jesus has a God lesson here in the Pigs, and this is what it looks like. Come and be surprised by the God who whispers hope in your darkest moments. So I don't care how, so I don't know most, most of any of you here, but God knows you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what secrets you hold. God says, in the darkest of your moments, He has hope for you. Hope. If we don't resist, He gently, carefully pulls us home to Him. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn you. Here's what I know about the power of Jesus' love, and that is that if you will not fight it, if you won't fight it, you will be inextricably drawn to God. That's what I've learned. If I don't fight, God's power draws me. I'm as naturally drawn as a human being to God and to the love of Jesus as uh, we were in Hawaii uh, oh, a few weeks ago. Was it Hawaii? No, San Juan, Puerto Rico. That was it. Well, where were we? We're on the islands of the Caribbean, honey. Butterflies, baby. Butterflies. Yeah, two weeks ago. We've been so many. We travel crazy. So, we were on St. Martin. Thank you. And here are these beautiful butterflies. And it was at a butterfly farm. So, there were like hundreds of different varieties of them. One even landed on my hat. And these butterflies are naturally drawn to the little flowers to pollinate them and so forth, to plant their little eggs, and then they die. But these beautiful creatures live for one thing, they're drawn naturally to the flower. We are like butterflies, drawn to the love of God. And if you won't fight it, you find your true purpose. The prodigal son, the prodigal rebel, is now going to become The prodigal son the returning son the father scanning the horizon runs to embrace his boy he brushes aside the son's prepared speech that we know he made and here's what the Bible says that the father says bring out the best robe put it on and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and he's found And they began to be merry. The robe, the ring, the shoes, the meal. It's now an epic party. And I love the fact that there was no probation. There was no examination to make sure you really learned your lesson, boy. Just unmerited grace from the Father. And the son never wants to leave home again. And that's Jesus' greatest lesson. Come and be surprised by the God who welcomes us and restores us as his sons and daughters. Years later, one of Jesus' friends wrote about his own experience about coming home. Here's how he writes it in Philippians. He says, Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. But I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. So now we realize that in the story of the prodigal son, it's really a story about surprises. Come and be surprised about the one who gave himself for all of us, whose love is big enough for all of our complaints and questions and doubts. Come and be surprised by the God who whispers hope in our darkest moments, who welcomes and restores us as his sons and daughters. So I'm thinking about invitations right? That was the title of this little talk. I'm thinking of all the invitations you can get. What kind of invitation do you receive, and how effective are they for you? Have you ever gotten an evite? You know what an evite is? You just get this thing in your email. They could have been sent out to, by, to thousands of people. It, it, it may come from your friends, but it's the probably the most impersonal way to get An Evite. I mean, they didn't even care enough to, like, you know, put a stamp on a, just not even a personalized email. How effective is that? Well, Would you say yes to an Evite? Maybe you would. How about a wedding invitation that comes with an RSVP card with a stamped envelope? All you have to do is check the box and put it back in the mail. I mean, how effective, maybe that's effective for you. Maybe I'd say yes to that. Yeah, if it came in the mail and I didn't have to pay for the cost of the stamp, I'll send it back. Oh, how about the invitation that comes from, from your friends who pick up their phone and you know they they get you on their, they have you on your start on their call list, and they call and they invite you by phone to something, maybe to the big party. Would that would that really if they called you, would that help? Or how about this one? How about if they come to your house, sit down, and in person make the invitation? So I'm thinking about this. The most compelling invitation I can think of is my wife who sits across from me and says, would say, can we do this? Can you attend? Will you join me? You see, when someone I trust and someone who I know loves me gives me an invitation, I just want to say yes. It feels right. So there's one more party invitation that I want to tell you about. And it comes to every one of us. And it's actually in the last book of the Bible. It's in the book of Revelation. And here's what the uh, invitation is. It's from Jesus. He actually has the invitation. And here's the words engraved on the invitation. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. This is a very famous painting, by the way. Do you notice something about this painting? There's several versions of it. You see, I love the fact that there's a little light shining through the window there. That, That tells me that the light's on and somebody's home. But there's one other thing. Did you notice what's not there? There's no doorknob. That's right. There's no doorknob. And why did the artist paint it with no doorknob? It's because... The only way Jesus comes into our lives is when we open the door and let him come in. You see, Jesus is a gentleman. Jesus will never beat down the door and force you to do something that you really don't want to do. And so Jesus says, I'm at the door right now. I'm standing at the door. I'm gently knocking. And my hope is, is that you will come I think the artist expresses good theology here and perhaps the greatest surprise that Jesus gives us today is this. Jesus stands each day at the life's door of your life waiting the opportunity to journey with us all the way home to his father's house. So my question for you today is what's Jesus saying to you now have you invited him in have you heard him knocking on the door of your life he invites you now to come and begin or continue the friendship with him that will in the end lead you all the way to his father's house let's pray dear father in heaven We're touched by the knowledge of knowing that Jesus really is our greatest friend. We can be surprised that he doesn't fit all the things that people say about God. He's not arbitrary, he's not cruel. He's revealing that he's patient, that he takes our questions, that he's not wanting to be dictatorial over us, but instead inviting us to walk with him, to invite him into our lives, and to experience what true joy really means. I want to pray for all my friends here today. We're all in the same boat, Lord. All of us need you. All of us have no righteousness that is of any use to anything on this earth or in heaven. But instead, Lord, we want to accept that Jesus is the Savior. We know him to be in our hearts. I pray that you will help us to be like those little butterflies that know where to fly that we will fly home to you right now. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, our friend. Amen. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship. We'd love it if you came to visit sometime. We meet each Saturday afternoon at five at the Mrs. John Hopkins Memorial Chapel at Tacoma Academy in Tacoma Park, Maryland. You can learn more and get directions by visiting MyGatewayFellowship.com.